before I had gotten into the car accident, I had a photographic memory. Really? I could remember what page, what was said, just picture the whole thing in my head. Wow. To being Dory from Finding Nemo. What do you do when you don't know what to do? You find something nobody else wants to do and figure out how to charge money to do it. Give them the qualities that you want to see in them and they will step into them. When you focus on being interesting when you're in a room, nobody cares because they want to find people who are interested. People try to put us to Welcome to the TLT Movement Podcast, a podcast for tomorrow's leaders today. In this episode, we have a very special guest, Jen. What is your last name again? Jackson. Jackson. Jen Jackson. Ooh, that sounds like a rock star's name. Action Jackson. (laughs) Jen, we just went through an experiential learning leadership development course. It's kind of like TLT before adults. And I was very, very impressed when we did an exercise where we pretty much had to pitch a cause that we're passionate about to a small group and then combine groups, combine groups and work our way up until we're in front of the entire room. And you were one of the people that got up on the main stage to pitch the entire room your passionate cause. And I was so impressed with this chuspa, with this ability to be able to present your cause so genuinely and so well. And you have, I've noticed you're somebody with a lot of influence and you're somebody that I feel lives in the moment. So I asked you to be on the show because I think that our audience could learn a lot from you. Wonderful. Thank you for having me. Absolutely. So let's first talk about this cause. Okay. We're just going to dive into it and then we can talk about some other stuff. You said you're a consultant. I yes. want to know what that means and how to make money from that. And I'm sure our audience does too. I, I've, I hear that word all the time. I have no idea what it is. So I'm excited to talk about that. Okay. But let's first talk about your nonprofit that you're passionate about. Okay. And that is Underground Railroad, right? Uh, yes. Operation Underground Railroad. Mm. I would love to also give some background story for why and how I was able to get up in front of that room of people and not hide in the bathroom. Please do. So maybe first Operation Underground Railroad? No, let's let's dive into how you got to this place f- first, and then we'll go into that. Okay. Yeah. So um, in my early 30s, which is about math. Um, <laughs> I about two years ago. Sure, no. <laughs> sure. We'll just, the timeline will fit. Great, it'll be great. So I, um, I had a panic disorder mm-hmm. and ADHD and um, a close head injury. And um, before I had gotten into the car accident, I had a photographic memory. Really? Yeah. So you went from having a photographic memory your entire life, like to a degree where you could read something and- Could remember what page, what was said, just picture the whole thing in my head. Wow. To being Dory from Finding Nemo. Get out. Serious. What was the car accident? It was very, very minor. Um, someone stepped off the curb into a crosswalk. I stopped and the guy behind me didn't. Mm. And he was only doing about 35. And um, my head was turned in such a way because I thought he was coming. And I looked in the rearview mirror. Sure enough, he hit me and it just twisted and rattled my brain just enough 
that I ended up with brain damage. Oh my goodness. How did you, how'd you overcome that? I, it's been a daily thing. I get to still overcome it every day. And, um, actually uh, Kimberly gave me some really great advice to get a remarkable, to keep writing things. I asked her, how do you remember all of these details about people when I forget my sister's name? I forget whole days at times. Wow. One piece of advice that she gave me was to be humble about it. Let people know. They can take it. So this week, I got to show up that way. I got to tell the people in my small group, I struggle to remember things sometimes, and I may ask you questions, and you may look at me and say, you were there. Right. And I get to say back, not really, and be okay with that. Satisfied. Right. <laughs> satisfied with that. I get to be satisfied. Is that something that you're just recently coming to terms with? Or is that yes, something? Yes, this yeah. week. Really? Yes. And All right. I do a lot of memory exercises and a lot of reading and rereading and rereading and writing notes so that I can remember things and push it into that long-term memory. Have you felt that doing all that stuff is actually improving it over time? Yes. Yes, nice. by leaps and bounds. I still just have holes in my memory. Mm. And I don't know if they'll ever go away. I hope so. How do you feel like this has affected your ability to communicate with people? Because seemingly it hasn't. I forget words. And uh, you might hear me say, uh, what's the word for? And I can think of the definition, but I can't remember the word. Mm. And for me, that's really difficult because I was the Boggle and Scrabble champion growing <laughs> up. I was the queen. <laughs> I knew the three-letter words and the 22-letter words, and I could get them all. And I, it's not there anymore. Mm. So you struggle with this memory loss that yes. is a little bit more extreme because you came from a background of photographic. Right. And then now you're in this place. And then you, you mentioned ADHD and panic disorder. Panic disorder. All of that came from the accident. Really? Mm -hmm. oh I my was goodness. fearless growing up. You know, and uh, by the way, every parent should have a fearless child so that they can have panic attacks as well. <laughs> <laughs> so, and that happened, that accident happened when I was 21. Wow. Yeah. So it's, it goes, you go from, if you have an innate ability you don't realize how much effort it takes for other people to achieve the same level that you have. Right. And I get to experience that every day. Wow. So it's a good experience. So you would say it's a good, you're viewing it from the perspective that it's, it's a good thing. Yes, because if you look at someone, if I look at someone in my life and I say, well, just try harder. Right. Maybe that's all they've got. Everybody is given something. Some people are given not more, less, better, worse, just different. Right. And so your d different is kind of these debilitating um, conditions that leave you, you mentioned crying in the bathroom for, for yeah. <laughs> has that happened in the past? Yeah. <laughs> I was in this ensemble class in, in college and it was right after the accident. And I, there were a total of five people, including the teacher in the class. And my job was to play a duet on, there were two pianos, and my buddy had her piano and I had my piano and we were supposed to play a duet back and forth. And performing in front of the other four people in the room, I had a full-blown panic attack and ran and hid in the bathroom mm. for several hours, just curled up in the corner right next to the toilet 
It was a college bathroom. It was not Grody. great. So how do you go from being a young person who struggles with this, that has these anxiety, panic attacks, and go from that to what I just saw this week of you up on stage in front of 120 people, like rallying the troops and giving a really great convincing speech on why they should donate to this cause? Thank you for that. Um, I guess the panic that I was experiencing experiencing didn't come through which is great that's um, good the part where the two parts where i completely forgot what i was talking about didn't come through um the point of this is when you're afraid you do it anyway winston churchill said when you're going through hell keep going mm. do it afraid do it afraid so to back up though from the time i was 21 until my early 30s I was asking for help. Okay. You don't ask. Nobody knows you need it. Right. That's the big part. I was saying to pretty much everybody I met, I need help. I don't know how to fix this. And finally, in my early 30s, someone said, oh, you should really go to this champion's workshop. Here's a ticket. And by really, I mean, please go. Yeah. <laughs> So I, I went. It was a Thursday night, and the, the, um, the personal mastery was the next day, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Mm-hmm. And now I, I should preface, I was on welfare, mm-hmm. and I had no money. I had a car that didn't have much of a motor to speak of. It burned more oil than gas. <laughs> okay. It was super. And um, so I show up at Champions, and I don't know if anyone remembers um, the Pullins, the, the facilitators, the Pullins. It was uh, Scott and Kim Michelle. Mm. Larger than life. Awesome people. So they're facilitating. And um, I get through the three hours. Oh, the minute before I went, I told an old friend that I was going. And, and I was hemming and hawing and, you know, going victim and all this. And he mm-hmm. goes, go. Do everything opposite of what you think. Stand up. Be the first one to volunteer. Put your butt on the line. For Pete's sake, do something. And I went, oh, Okay. That hurts. So um, I went and uh, was fortunate that one of these ladies that I kind of sort of knew but didn't really sat next to me, this very robust redhead. Mm-hmm. And by robust, I mean lot, just life is just oozing out of her pores. She's always <laughs> smiling. She's always yeah. cheerful. I don't know how. It's amazing. And I'm pretty sure she was poking me with a knife. It might have just been her keys. Every time they asked for feedback or something, she'd say, stand up, stand up, do it. And I'd ah! jump up and, of course, get called on. Mm. Yeah. It's, so. a good, it's a good. The key poking strategy is a good one. <laughs> yes, use the keys. <laughs> so uh, she and we're still friends today. You know, she's, she's a great friend. She's actually been through all of Clemmer at this point and cheers me on. It's great. Nice. So um, I'm standing up and I'm giving feedback and. I'm just saying, you know, I'm just broken. And, and they're like, are you? I'm standing in the front sharing, which that never would have happened. I was sweating buckets and just in tears the whole time. Sure. And uh, at the end of it, I walk up to, I think, I'm thinking her name is Kim Michelle. And I say, I need this. And she says, no, 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 honey, you deserve this. And I said, 
whatever. I need this. So I max out my credit card, my only credit card, and um, I show up the next day. And I am, like, doing the same thing, getting poked with keys, pushed out of my seat, being vulnerable, and doing it anyway, even though it was against everything that I felt comfortable doing. And then at the end, I'm standing there with my unsigned application telling Kim Michelle, I need this. And again, you deserve this. And I'm like, whatever. Sure. I need to be there. You guys have the change I need. Finally. This isn't like the therapy that I've been going to for 10 years. This is different. There's something amazing about this, and I need it. And she goes, well, you haven't signed. So when I signed it, she grabs the application out of my hands, and I'm not sure if I'm remembering this correctly, but if I remember correctly, she said, great, because someone already paid for you. Really? (laughs) Yeah. Who was that? I don't know. Probably the girl who was sitting next to me poking me with her keys. Wow. Because I didn't have the money for it. Mm. And so I got to come up with, um, I found a facilitator who was driving out, and she picked me up, and I packed protein bars and, you know, things that I could get on food stamps. And... um, (laughs) had a suitcase full of those and very few clothes. And that was, that was all I had. And, you know, when people bought me a coffee, I would gratefully accept it. And I sold gift certificates for cleaning because I had just started cleaning houses to get there. Mm. So I get to San Francisco, and I know that I'm, I'm the quit at 20% person. Mm. And I got to put that into action and know exactly where my 100% is. And what you mean by that is, is when you get to 20% of your actual capacity, you quit as yes. opposed to allowing yes, to exactly. bust through that and see that 80% of energy that you still have left. Yes. Okay. Well, this is hard. I quit. Right. Had always been my mantra in life. Mm. And I got to see how far I really could go with amazing people. Seeing yourself do this, did it kind of give you some sort of revelation or confidence to bring that into your actual real life? It was even though you're afraid, do it anyway. Mm. Because you won't get anywhere if you stay in your comfort zone. That's a great point. That's something that we've talked about on this show a good bit, just about my speech. I mean, that's how I broke through and is now able... And it's so funny, I messed up on that sentence. That's Um, so perfect. That's so appropriate. (laughs) That's how I'm now able to do podcasts and talk and be open and honest and all this stuff because just kind of doing it afraid and that exposure therapy, I, I think they're, they're labeling it now, yes. you know, just, just constantly get getting out of that comfort zone. And as you do that, the comfort zone expands and it like, doesn't become so scary. Like fear factor, get into a coffin full of cockroaches if you're afraid of that. Right. Not if you have a shellfish allergy, by the way, but. <laughs> Are cockroaches yeah. shellfish? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Oh, well. I, I'm allergic to shellfish. I so. guess I... Oh, <laughs> so, so, you, so you know. Yeah, I know. <laughs> yeah. So that cockroach steak's not going to be something that you're no. interested in when We're they no, try to I'm never going to do a cricket steak. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Me neither. Yeah. Resist toward <laughs> the cricket steak. Are we just in resistance here? No. I think, I think the cricket steak's evil. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> Keep your crickets. Keep your crickets. All right. So so how long ago was this? I was, um, I think it was about 10 years ago. 
Wow. So you've been kind of doing this leadership development work for a while. Yeah. And you would say this is what helped you break through. Yeah. So as soon as I got back from that, I got a job, which was speaking in front of groups of professionals. Really? Yeah. Which I had never done. What was that job? I was a director consultant with BNI. Okay. So you told me you're a business consultant and now you do it kind of freelancey or what? Yes. I'm freelance now. Cool. All and right. By the way, consulting is literally consulting. Explain to me what that is because I hear it. I don't know exactly what it means. How do you get paid from it? What, what kind of business is this? You ask for money. <laughs> so here's the difference. When you're a consultant and you want to get paid, you ask for the money before you give the advice. Mm. Yeah. And people do this. Yes. Businesses. Have you ever wanted advice so desperately that you would pay for it? Yeah. Well, yeah. You got consulted. Ooh. How does one <laughs> become a consultant? You get some kind of experience in something, and then you share that with others, but you get paid before you share it. That's, that's, that's really key. the basics. That's the key. Yes. The you key pay is, before. Yes. Sometimes people will pay you after, but it's a little harder sometimes. Sure, yeah. sure. Do you have a, a story of so, some business that you consulted and then they took the advice and it was like unreal? So the, the very first girl that I consulted, um, I was really unsure of myself and I didn't know what I was doing. Sure. And she was getting ready to start her own business and had no money. She was in the middle of getting a divorce. Mm. She decided that she and her husband were done. She was taking her little kids up out of there and they were just done. She was working at a storage facility and um, just really didn't have the confidence to start her business. And um, through our consulting, she's decided to stay with her husband and work it out. She's starting the business anyway, and she's doing great. She says, every time I feel down, you're in my corner. Wow. And there's never been anyone in my corner. Wow. That's huge. So it's like, it goes beyond just giving them advice. It's kind of like you're, you're there for them. You got that relationship. Yes. And this is a woman I, I didn't know. Someone recommended her to me on Facebook. And she said, I, out, out of all of the 50 people that were recommended, I was the only one who actually sent her a message. Wow. And said, hey, are you interested? So what did you learn from that? I learned from that so much. I, every time I talk to her, we still talk. Every time I talk with her, I get to learn more how to stay present. I get to learn more how to... Um, show her what's in front of her face, not what I want her to see, but what's already right there. Mm. That's kind of what this program does a little bit, yeah? It is. Did you get into this because of, yeah, you said you got the job after you went through a program like this. Yes, yes. And in wow. BNI, the job of the director consultant is to consult on businesses. Right. So what would happen is people would join BNI and... Um, <clears throat> They have a problem. They're stuck. Something is wrong in their business. Mm -hmm. And I would sit down to them with them, sometimes 15 of them a week, and help them work through it. Show them how they can talk about their business in a way that makes other people interested. You know, that, that whole buy-in and influence and what was that word that we were talking about? Like the, the whole exercise was called what? Most influential person. Yes. 
teaching them how to be the most influential person. Wow. And you got to teach, you can only teach from a place of you've kind of experienced it. And I got to see that live in person this week. And we also did an exercise where we raised a hundred thousand plus dollars in four hours <laughs> for a charity. That was so much fun. That, that was, was so, so awesome. Fun. We smashed through the goal and <clears throat> you told me you personally raised $20,000 from two calls. Yes. How do you get that type of connection? <laughs> I, I think everybody in our, in our room here wants to know. First of all, I, I picked numbers that were uncomfortable for me. And everyone has a different comfort point. For me, that comfort point, I'm super comfortable until you say $5,000. And then at $5,000, I think of all the things I can do with $5,000. So I took $5,000 from my consulting company and offered to match it for the next $5,000 donation. And it took 10 minutes for that to come in. Wow. It was nothing. Someone had that connection that was like, you know, I'm going to hold out. And then it, it triggered something in somebody else. Then, so um, in all of this time at, at BNI, to be in BNI, you have to have a business. Sure. To be in a chapter. And the whole time I'm a director consultant, I have a free membership. And I didn't have a business. So I started a business. Okay. And cleaning was easy. I had done mortgages. I had done real estate. And those were hard. Sure. You had to go talk to people, be personable, not dress in sweats. Right. <sighs> ah, so annoying. <laughs> you had to be on all the time. Yeah. All the realtors know exactly what I'm talking about. And my mom had been a realtor, so... It, it was easy to fall into it, but when she retired, I didn't want to do it anymore because it just wasn't the same. Sure. So I started cleaning houses because it's easy, and what do you do when you don't know what to do? You find something nobody else wants to do and figure out how to charge money to do it. That's a clip right there. That's good. Yeah. That, my grandpa used to say that. Yeah? Yeah, figure out what nobody else wants to do and then do it. They'll pay you. Well, nobody else wants to clean, and I'm really good at it. Spent a lot of time huddled up behind, behind a toilet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you're kind of forced to clean at that point, yeah? Yes. <laughs> Real intimate. So um, I started a cleaning company, and, um, you know, officially, I had been cleaning off and on, you know, if you give me money now for this thing I need to do, then I'll come clean your house. Sure. And, um, by the way, when I started, I was terrible at it. People were so nice. No, Jenny, you need to actually clean the table with water oh. on your cloth. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> it was really bad. <laughs> I got, though, I learned. I kept that open mind and kept learning about it until, you know, I, I can clean pretty much anything and I can teach other people how to clean. It's not a big deal. Nice. All right. I forgot where we were going with this. So <laughs> you had to have a business right. for the consulting. So you started the cleaning business. And then you were able to, from that experience in the business, learn how to consult other businesses? Right. Okay. So we were going around to the, the part where, how did I get 20 grand into the room? Yeah. Okay. So um, I grew this cleaning business. I had 24 employees and sold it. Wow. Because I'd torn my rotator cuffs. And um, I, by the way, I also have Ehlers-Danlos, which is hypermobile connective tissue. I'm very bendy. <laughs> oh, wait, what? Yeah. Okay, hold on. Okay, arm flat. Oh. Oh, yeah, you're pretty bendy. Yeah. And <laughs> these go all the way down. Oh, yeah, I definitely can't do that. 
Yeah. <laughs> so I've dislocated my shoulders, my knees, um, a lot of things. And uh, I'm just, if I fall asleep in the wrong position, then I wake up and my back is all out and my neck is Jane, out. I had no idea you're such a hot mess. I am such a hot mess. <laughs> but my blood sugar looks great. Hey, that's good. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'll take the wins where I can. <laughs> uh, while we're on that topic, I also have the BRCA gene. So um, the ovari- ovarian and breast cancer gene. Mm. My mom and all of her cousins, all of her aunts that have had this BRCA gene, every one of them is gone. Oh my goodness. So I'm the last person in my family with a gene. So I had the all of the preventative surgeries so that I wouldn't get cancer. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a super aggressive cancer. There's no treatment for it yet. Oh my gosh. It seems like you have a lot of opportunity to be a victim in life. Yes. And I ran with that so hard for so long. And now what I want to aim for is opportunity to do something with it. Mm. And so raising $20,000 did kind of show you a little bit that, that you are capable? Back to, the, back to the discomfort level here. Yeah. Okay, so um, the cleaning business, I sold it to a gal, and I had already texted her in the morning. I spent the entire exercise on the phone, um, calling, texting, Facebooking, Instagramming. I did a video on Instagram. I have never done that before. Oh, uh, yeah? Wow. It, I'm sure it was terrible. I won't look at it. <laughs> okay. I'll look at it when I get home. Um, it, and I just, I put myself out there and when people weren't answering me, I kept haranguing them until they did, mm. which I'm sure that they're going to be grateful when I get home that okay. I'm just going to take that intention. They'll be happy about it. Love it. And, um, so this one girl that had bought my business, I talked with her or I called her up when we had, what was it? Seven minutes left. Mm-hmm. And I said, hey, so I'm working with this cause and I would love to see if you could, if you'd be willing to donate something to it. We're doing this, it's just flash fundraising. We're going to build houses in Mexico. It's really amazing. And it seems to really fit what you are all about. And, um, you know, nobody, if you look at someone and say, wow, you are all about helping people and uplifting them, not a single person is going to look at you and go, no, I'm not. Yeah, yeah, as if. Right, they're going to be like, Bet I am. <laughs> Little point of influence there. Yeah. Tell, give them the qualities that you want to see in them, and they will step into them. Ooh, that is good advice. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> that will be $500. See what you did there? <laughs> so that's consulting. Right. We just witnessed it in real time. It's real time. Wow. So she said, well, you know, I think I'm okay. I could do $500. And I said, I think you can do better than that. No way. I did. So I, I got to witness a lot of people make their calls and they went a lot like this. Hey, if you could just give anything at all, even $10, that'd be good. How about $5? Oh yeah, that's perfect. Thank you so much. I, he- I heard that a lot. And that is that for those people, great. $5 is all they've got. No right. problem. We'll take it because that's amazing. Thank you. And in the Bible, they talk about um, the, the widow woman who goes up in front of, to give her, um, her um, tithe. And she gives all that she has. Right. And then I think it was the Pharisees who gave a small pittance out of their abundance and made a great show of it. Right. And they gave a lot more than she did, but that, her intention behind it, her, yes. her all-in attitude was what stuck out. Give big or don't. Right. Yeah. Dang. 
so we got that up to $10,000 in our little conversation. Oh my gosh. I knew she had it. I, I grew that money tree. Sure. So I knew it was there and she needs the write-off. You only get so many write-offs for employees. Teach our audience that are a little bit younger, that are maybe thinking about entrepreneurialism. Oh, yes. What a write-off is. Okay, so the government will, it, it's going to sound a little strange. The government will pay you to do things that they don't want to do. Expound upon that. So when the government says, you owe me, I'm just going to pick random numbers here. Sure. The government says, you owe me 25% of all everything you made in taxes. Mm-hmm. If you say, but... I hired people. Then they go, oh, okay, 12% then instead of 25. And if you say, well, I gave them a place to live. And they go, really? Did you repair them and make them nice? Yeah, and I've got receipts. And they go, okay, great. How about um, now you can pay 8%. So if you want to pay less tax, start a business and start doing things the government doesn't want to do. Contribute more. Contribute more. Yes, and also, so I, I get to write off a lot of stuff because my business I do everywhere everywhere I go even right now I mean this is part of it so I mean even this conference it's it's to develop my abilities and so a lot of things in my life like I like to buy new camera gear that's kind of my thing it's necessary for your business it's necessary it's a right it's also it's also my passion so to find that niche where you're passionate about it and you would already be spending the money on it anyway, but make it official, a part of the business, then you're able to write stuff off and you're not paying exorbitant amount of tax on that thing. Yes. That's exactly why Scarlet Clover is a very vague business because (laughs) I like to do a lot of things. Sure. (laughs) And I want a lot of (laughs) write-offs. Absolutely. Talk to a CPA before you have anything so that they can help you set it up right. Right. Talk to a financial planner before you have anything so that you can set it up right. Get a trust, get your will, get everything all outlined. And then as you get things, put them where they go instead of coming with a mess and saying, I don't know what to do with this. Just get it set up at the very beginning so that it's streamlined and you don't have to think about it. Right. And it's great to start young. Yes. Because we've all heard of compound interest. Right. If you put in money, a little bit of money for your entire life into an interest-bearing, even a savings account, turns into way more money than putting huge chunks in later in life. 100%. So, like, let's say uh, a person listening to this right now is 21. They start putting in 100 bucks a month, and they commit to that for a couple decades, which is possible. It's possible. It could grow into millions. Yeah, yeah. If you have... um, if you have nieces, nephews, or kids in your life, if you can put $1,000 into some kind of an account for them and even just leave it, sure. don't add anything else to it forever. It will keep compounding and keep growing. It's pretty cool. Yeah. It's good consulting there. Good, <laughs> good business consultant. That's what I do. <laughs> <laughs> now we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsor, Elevate Life Educational Foundation. That makes the TLT movement possible. There's never been a more critical time to elevate your life. We are starting a movement, TLT movement, helping tomorrow's leaders today to transform, step into their greatness, and have breakthrough in the areas of emotional intelligence and spiritual intelligence so they can step out in life and do hard things, learn their identity, step into their purpose at a young age. We're training them 
through different courses of action. We have the STAND program, that's three days with a one-year mentorship, the LEAD experience, which is every summer a five-day, and then SERVE. So they learn that when they change their world, they can change their world, making an impact. There's nothing more rewarding than helping young people discover their identity and purpose. Help us with the TLT movement, getting these tomorrow's leaders today to stand, lead, and serve in their world. Check out our website at tltmovement.com to see our next training and mentorship. And there's a nomination form. So nominate those young people in your world. Let's get them registered today and help us to elevate life. All right, so let's get back on track here. So you went from being debilitated with these conditions and you were victim to circumstance for many a year, for 10 plus years even, until somebody told you, hey, look, you asked for help, but you're not actually doing anything about it. Here's some help. You go to this leadership development conference. You, over the past 10 years have worked on these skills. You've been healing your own brain from this car accident by remaining humble about it, by being honest about it, but also by working and putting effort into expounding your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And now you're at the point where you raised 20 grand in four hours. Let's jump into the main meat of this, which is, you were up on stage promoting this nonprofit. And I just say we, we, we start to talk about the nonprofit because it's something that we've talked about on the show quite a bit. We haven't talked about Operation Underground Railroad, but we have been talking about different solutions to this sex trafficking epidemic that's going in the world where these slaves, these children... Um, I'm going to let you explain it kind of what they do. Okay. And if our someone in our audience cares about this, we're going to link it all down below to donate. And if you know somebody in your life that maybe have resources that you don't and they want to donate, it's all going to be down below. But I'm going to let you take the floor here. The, the one thing I want to say first is that if you look at, like I did, if I look at someone in my contacts and say, they wouldn't want it, they wouldn't do it, then I'm taking away their chance to make a difference. Mm. And I don't think that, I don't like that. I don't like it when people take away my choice. Sure. Much like these children who are being trafficked, they don't have choice. And it's, I think it's better for the world if we give everyone a choice. So don't be afraid to ask the worst that could happen are they going to tell you no right that's not that scary it's not you say no i say next mm. just keep going okay so a couple of years ago i heard a podcast and it was tim ballard he was i'm fuzzy on the details of his life story the things that i remember he had a ton of kids and he had a really cushy government job the government job said Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you can't actually rescue kids. So he quit. Two years from being completely vested in retirement. Two years with a ton of kids and a wife at home. And his wife, one of those strong women, said, yeah, you, 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 you got to go. You need to do this. 
they both stepped out in faith and they go out and they rescue kids like a what you would see on cops you know right. the full regalia running into a building and plucking kids out of these situations which i think is awesome yeah that, that is awesome in the yeah. movie the sound of freedom is about him yes yeah it's about his life and um i just love jim caviezel so that was that was a selling point to get me to the movie oh yeah and it was uh, fantastic it was so powerful and very well done like actually filmed well acted well everything was great yes and and i was looking for oh i wonder where this is going to turn into a b movie and it never did it never did i loved it it was so good yeah oh it was great so i i had listened to the podcast and i thought yeah slavery's bad and then i have a friend who had been in the military and his whole purpose was owning humans is wrong and I always thought, yeah, that's really bad. It wasn't until I saw the movie Sound of Freedom that it connected. Mm. Like, just it hit me in the gut and stayed with me. And then I listened to that podcast with Tim Ballard again. And he said, your life expectancy goes down to seven years once you're in slavery. These are... There are, there are babies. Six-month-old babies in slavery. They're sex slaves. And uh, I, um, I can't even fathom that. And I know there are a lot of people out there that have never met a six-month-old baby, but that is the cutest, most adorable little cherub on the planet. Most innocent, most reliant on their parents, on somebody else. All they want is to make you smile and smile back. And they're exploring the world, and it's so amazing and new. But there are sick people out there that want to take that. And um, this organization stops it. My hope is that this, that Operation Underground Railroad can be so big that people will be scared to death to hurt children, mm. ever. They just won't even want to. That's my hope. When you mentioned on stage, you talked about how this program... <coughs> It's uh, one of the only nonprofits in this realm that goes directly to saving the kids, not prosecuting the offenders in the, in the sense of like every other one's like about, hey, let's catch the bad guy. And then there's just more and more and more bad guys, but they're not really focused on getting the kids out. Right. <clears throat> it's my understanding that a lot of the organizations are helping the kids after or catching the predators, which is great. That all needs to be done too. There are organizations out there where you can donate your stuff. And um, I, I'm trying to remember, it's a, a hotel magnate. Um, she collects your donations, your Van Goghs, your Louis XV desk, and auctions them off 
and sends the money into organizations that will rescue children. And Wow. So there are lots of people doing amazing things in this realm. This is the one that stuck with me because they go get the kids. They will move mountains to get the kids safe. And uh, I'm sure there are a lot of people who love to rescue out there, so that's why it appeals to me. Um, yeah. Do you want to sp- expound upon that a little bit? Liking to be rescuing. So my purpose in life is to be love and to give love. And it, it might sound, oh, you hippie. <laughs> yeah. The fact is it's kind of tough. There are some people out there that aren't so lovable. And I get to work on that every day. And um, the most loving thing that I can think to do is to give someone a loving environment to grow up in and flourish. And to be the person who can rescue them out of a bad situation is the most loving thing you can do. Give of yourself to give them a better life. Right. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I've been looking for solutions for many years on this. It's been something that I've been quite passionate about. Because I think, I know that childhood sexual molestation and all this, it really does damage a person um, for life. You know, it's like, it takes a lot of healing from that. And so, from one experience, I couldn't imagine something they said in the sound of freedom is like, hey, you can only sell drugs once. You can sell a kid five times a day for 10 years. And now it's like, oh my gosh. Yeah. These kids are really going through it. And if it's all they know, it's like that's, that life is just so, I couldn't even imagine. So it's been something I've been so passionate about for years. And I'm like, okay, but what do I do? Like, do I go down to some foreign country and bust open the door and shoot everybody and get the kids? I, I don't know how to do that. Right. Uh, do I donate to some charity that says that they'll do it? Do I educate? Maybe they won't. Yeah, maybe they won't. Maybe they take the money. I don't know what's going on. Seems helpless. Seems like it keeps the problem keeps growing. Yeah. I don't know where these people are coming from. I don't know who's the type of person that's even doing this. That's something that we talked about on a podcast with uh, Miss Tina Rains. She she climbed count. Uh, or Mount Kilimanjaro with a group of little Heidi's to raise awareness. And she got a, a bunch of TV spots and donations flooded in for this exact thing. I thought that was such an interesting, creative way to get across the room, to have a different mechanism to do it. Yes. And I've never heard of this. Um, I, I watched the movie. I'm pretty involved. It kind of freaks me out i can't really like focus on this topic for too long because it really does like affect me yes and so but i've never heard of operation underground railroad it sounds amazing um i i've looked into it it looks legit yeah and so i i feel like this would be a very good mechanism to be able to fight this and be able to help those kids i agree yeah that's why i'm in it I think everybody else in that room agreed too because it was the two people that got up on stage. <laughs> it was you and another woman promoting the same cause. From the same town. We yeah. both have crazy hair. Did you see hers is purple? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got blue hair? Yeah. What inspired the blue hair? 
I love blue. Okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> oh, wow. I was expecting some like deep, like. Okay, okay, okay. So it raises questions like that. Why blue? Well, first of all, I, I love blue. It's great. I am not in a corporate job anymore, so I can have blue. And I, I like I like it when people come up and tell me that they like my hair because I want to talk with people. Sure. I want to get to know people, and I get to meet other people who look like tropical birds, just like I do. <laughs> and uh, I make friends. I have made so many friends just because I've had blue hair. I, I got to say, I would never dye my hair blue, but when I see blue hair or some crazy thing, I always go up to them and I'm like, hey, cool hair. See? Like, yeah. Yeah. And so then, and I then, make and friends. We, yeah. Is there another mechanism that you've recognized in your life of how to do that without dyeing your hair? Yes. What because when that? I was in the professional capacity, I got to dress like every other corporate person on the planet. Right. And um, the way that I typically dress is when I'm in a professional capacity is incredibly conservative, mm-hmm. black and tan. That's it. Like nothing fun, nothing exciting. My excitement is in my jewelry, which is like, Two pieces, max, that's it. Sure. Nothing more. Don't want to be gaudy, right? Mm-hmm. So I get to show up with a huge smile and bright eyes. And when you have that welcoming expression on your face, then people are drawn in. They want to get to know the happy, cheerful, positive person who's over there just, hi, who are you? I can't wait to get to know you. When you focus on being interesting when you're in a room, Nobody cares because they want to find people who are interested. Wow. So going into a room, being curious, having that open heart, open mind. I am so excited to learn all about what you have to do. What are you doing in this world? I can't wait to hear it. And you keep asking questions about it. And you really have to stay present because if you have a canned answer, it's not going to fit. Sure. That's such a good point. That's something that we've really learned here is that you give what you want to attract. Yes. And so if you're giving out love and smiles and happy, good vibes, you'll attract that type of person. And then it's like a snowball effect. And it goes the same way. If you want to gossip and be negative and drink and smoke and do all the stuff that maybe, you know, deep down is kind of holding you back. You're going to attract the people that are into all that stuff. And it's going to, going to weigh it down a little bit more make it a little harder to become that person that maybe you would like to be yeah. uh that's happy and smiley and interested and i've noticed that too that's like the number one thing when you're interested genuinely curious about what other people have to say the conversation just flows and you're able to really bond and also they'll be interested back and then you get to share what you're interested in and i think everybody kind of low-key wants that And that's why they like people that are interested. (laughs) I heard a speaker once say, I already know about myself. I was there. I want to hear about you. (laughs) That's good. I I just heard that a couple of weeks ago and I thought, oh, that is great. I love that. Yeah, that's awesome. I'm going to aim to live like that. 100%. And I've heard since I was a kid, the wisest guy in the room is usually the quietest and just the person observing slash asking all the questions. Yes. I was listening to a podcast. I don't know too much about Warren Buffett. I know he's an investor. I know he's worth billions of dollars, like 90 
billion or something, right? I know he lives in a modest house. Yes, That's somewhere. What everybody yeah, says. yeah. I don't know too much about the guy, but I was listening to a podcast where the guy uh, ate with him once, and he couldn't wait just to learn all about this guy to gain something. Warren, he just apparently was just asking him everything. They didn't. He he didn't even get a <laughs> shot to ask him anything because because he was just so thirsty for the knowledge of maybe what this person knows that I don't. And when you go into a conversation with that, even I do it with kids all the time where I'm like, ah, I'm not going to like, it's the child. Like I'm not going to learn anything from the kid, but then I go at it from a different view and I'm like, Hey, look, what can I learn from this child? And what can like, and I'm, so, I'm, I've gotten less surprised over the years, but it's like every time you gain something from everybody, they, yeah. they all know something that you don't know. You just have to extract, extract it. Yeah, and those kids, they're still fresh. They just came from heaven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah totally. They got the down low. <laughs> they're the best, dude. I I love kids so much. Last night, we we had a birthday party, and there were some kids running around, and they're so genuine. <laughs> they're so funny. They're so present. That's something that I've really t- taken away this week was I am not present. And... Maybe you can help me with this quote, but they said something like, man is crucified between the regrets of the past and the anxieties of the future. That I think that was it. Yeah. Yeah. I wrote it down. I wrote it down too. And I, I love that because I find myself constantly, if I'm not reflecting on past mistakes, I'm thinking about what's next. And when you're doing that, you're not living in the only thing that's actually real which is right here, right now. Exactly. Yeah. It's so trite and it's so true. The present is the present. Yeah. Yeah. So true. And we're not promised tomorrow. No. I've learned anything over the past couple of weeks. Something that they also said that I loved was live every day like it's the first time and it's the last day that you got. Yes. First day, last day. Yes. That is so great. It's so great. There are so many things that I have put off and procrastinated. And uh, you only get as much time as you have. So why wait? I've why had wait? This, this book in my heart for 15 years. Mm. And I've been slowly trudging through it, writing a little bit here and there, and barely getting anywhere. Yeah. And uh, hearing everything that I've heard this week, I get to go back to this book with renewed vigor. It doesn't need any more of the things where I'm, I have this excuse that says, well, I'm not creative enough this week, so I'll just put it off till next week. Mm-hmm. Um, the dream is, uh, the, the dream, the book is formed out of my dreams. So when I have one of those crazy outlandish wild dreams, I put it into the book. Oh, interesting. It's, it's just like a combination of dreams? Yes. They all come together in story form. Um, do you want me to give you a scene? Yeah. All right. So in this book, it's a book about these kids who decide to prove that magic is real. Okay. They say, ideas are coming from somewhere. Let's figure out where. Inspiration comes from something. So one of the characters in the book is um, this little girl. She's eight years old. And she's, her favorite color is black. And she wears, like, combat boots and all this. And she's a violinist prodigy. 
Mm. And uh, she has all of the characters in this book, if they're, you know, born on ley lines or magnetic interfaces and things like that, they, they have special powers when they're born. However, like in Jewish tradition, if you're not at the age of maturity, your gifts may not be developed yet. And you could end up with a diagnosis like ADHD or um, seizure disorders, or it could be too much for your body to handle because you're not quite ready to use it yet. Mm. So anyway, back to the, the girl. So this girl, she decides to go to an open-air market, and she puts down her violin case and opens it up, and she's a little cocky, you know? I don't know anyone like that. <laughs> and she picks up her violin, and she begins to play, and she changes the mood of everyone in the entire open-air market. Suddenly, instead of haggling and fighting over the last bag of oranges, everyone is happy and hugging and loving. And then, satisfied, she puts her violin case, her violin back into the case and walks back to her mom, sits down, and has a complete sugar crash because she's too young for this ability, and she does it anyway. Mm. So anyway, all of that was in a dream where the music comes through and everyone feels the chills and they feel the, the pyloerection where the hair on their skin is standing up. Is that what it's called? It's called pyloerection. Okay, I can't remember <laughs> the simple word <laughs> influence, but, but I can, can remember, remember that. pyloerection. <laughs> Brains, they're cool. They're very cool. So um, it was all in this dream where everyone was in this open air market and this music wafted through and just changed everybody's mood kind of like a scent on the breeze where you get a mm. whiff of jasmine and it takes you back or ginger blossoms and you remember your vacation to Hawaii. Just you smell a rose and you remember your grandma smearing her fuchsia lipstick all over her, your face while she's kissing you. It, it was the same kind of thing in this dream where it was sound. It was just, I had to get it out. So I put it all on paper and then this other little boy, he does something similar. He it sounds huge, and it is, but he diffuses a hostage situation with his magical powers mm. and then has a seizure on the floor and is rushed to the hospital, and they put him on meds, and they, it ends up slowing down his ability to develop these gifts because he's on all these medications. The book is designed to be um, four children who are in each of the corners, the quadrants, and one who is right in the middle. Quadrants of personality traits. Yes, thank you. And we we actually talked ab about it uh, with TLT, and we call it tall trees. Okay. And it's like a tall tree profile, and, and each tree is pretty much like a personality trait. So, like, palm tree is the promoter, you know, fun, exciting, all this. You got the, the boxwood tree that's more the analytical type, make sure everything's in alignment. You and, and you got the rose, which is beautiful and loud, but also a little thorny. Might that that's that that's the controller, and so that's pretty cool. So this book is about these young people who portray each of these personality traits, and then one in the center. Yes. So the one in the center becomes the one who is able to communicate with all of them, and essentially becomes the leader who can help them fight the forces of evil who are trying to keep magic all for themselves. Wow. That yeah. sounds like a good book. It better be. 
(laughs) (laughs) It's inspired by God. It's, I feel more like a channel where it comes through. Mm. And when I let the inspiration come through in whatever form, dreams or journaling or seeing something that I can add to it, it's all inspiration from God that's just saying, you've got to get this out because there are kids out there who have no idea what their purpose is. Sure. They don't know what they're supposed to do with their lives and they don't feel like there's anyone to lead them. Well, I've got news for you. If you don't know if there's anyone to lead you, it's probably because you're the leader. Whoa, mic drop. (laughs) 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 That's crazy. Oh my gosh. I never thought about it like that. Oh, what is that saying about you? (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, we're learning new stuff. No, I've known that. I'm trying to get better at building teams because I think that that's crucial. And if we learned anything this week is that together we can, we can build eight houses. We can raise a hundred thousand dollars. We can, we can hold people up physically, (laughs) literally, (laughs) literally together. (laughs) And I love the idea of you should have a dream so big that's scary and so big that you can't do it alone. The like BHAG. The BHAG. I don't remember what that stands for, but someone told me that once. It has to do with big, big something Big goals. hairy dreams, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, I don't remember. So, there was something about hair in it and goals. <laughs> yeah, there's some, there's, yeah, it's something about hairy goals. I don't smart. know. Smart. We'll just go with smart. That's, that's better. <laughs> yeah. I like a smart goal. Smart goal. Remind me what a smart goal is. Oh, what are all of them? It's, um, there's... See the specific, specific, measurable, measurable, um, attainable, time, timely. Well, that would be smart. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh right. I should, I, I should, I should read more books. Okay. We should um. maybe look at our notes on this one. <laughs> okay. So I like the smart goal here, which says it's specific, measurable, attainable, risky, and timely. Yes. And so the, the idea of it is, is that it's got to be big, but it can't just be like, like an example. We, I met this amazing woman. Her name is Carson. She's so cool. She had a goal. She wants to buy land. So her goal, she's like, by the end of the year, I'm going to buy a plot of land that I could build something on. Right. And she was kind of worked with and be like, all right, let's get a little bit more specific so she was like, all right, I want five acres. And, and then we were all like, okay, that's great. Yeah. That's great. Because uh, that's enough to build like a house on, not just something. You could build, you know, a little shack and, and you know. But now it's five acres. Measurable. She wants to do it by the end of the year. Obtainable. Yes. She can definitely do that. She's out in Montana. So she can. Risky. She's never bought land before. She said she's never really made money before. She's she's like uh, 20. So timely, yes, in the same way. Uh, I guess me- measurable wouldn't be so much time. It'd be more like, did you do it? Right? Yeah, I think it depends on the goal. Um, some of them aren't measurable in the same way others are. So um, if someone has a weight loss goal, that's really clearly measurable. Right. If it's a little bit more obscure, like, um, well, it's not obscure at all. With the land, it's measurable. Either she has it or she doesn't. Right. And the really neat thing about a goal is that the 
the attainment of the goal isn't the goal. It's the attempt at the goal that's the goal. For sure. The harder you push. And what was it your intention to reach it? If you didn't reach it, probably not. Right. So you get to check yourself and learn along the way if, you know, I intended to reach 50% of this goal, but I set the goal anyway. Well, what does that say about everything else in your life? You're like me and the 20% where I only get 20% of anywhere. Right. How you do anything is how you do everything, at least to some degree. Exactly. Yes. The way that I brush my teeth isn't the way that I clean my feet, but it's the same goal. They sure. both need to be clean. <laughs> <laughs> I've never heard that one. <laughs> the mechanism to get the cleanliness is a little different. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I love the quote, uh, when, the, when the intention is clear, the mechanism will appear. So yes. even if you don't know how to do it, you have no idea how you're going to do it. If your intention truly is to get it done, you'll find a way. Basically, whatever you say out loud, your subconscious goes, okay. Right. So if you say, I am going to uh, go for a walk every single day, my subconscious goes, okay. And now I get to want to walk every single day. Right. And my brain might get in the way of that and say, yeah, but do you really, um, you know, there's this really great show on and, but ice cream, ice cream's amazing. <laughs> and, oh, it's just a little chilly outside. Yeah, yeah. And my subconscious will also say, okay. Mm. So we get to watch how we talk to ourselves too. I used to say before every, after every time that I would sit hutter, I would say, I can't talk. And I would hold my mouth. And I did that for years. And it was true. It was true. Until I stopped doing that, embraced it, and was like, it's okay. And it got better over time. I also used to say, and I know a lot of kids say, hey, this, I don't know why. But they say stuff like, like when something embarrassing happens or it could be something minute, small. It could even be a joke. They go, I want to kill myself as Ooh. a joke. As a joke. But their subconscious doesn't hear it as a joke. Right. Here's it for real. And then they, at least for me, I wondered why I was struggling with depression and anxiety and all this stuff. When I would joke around like that, the subconscious is just hearing the words and is going, okay. Yeah. Very true. Happens both for the positive, like taking a walk, and the negative, like making jokes about yourself that you shouldn't. Yeah, your subconscious says, I believe you. Right. Ooh. Yeah. That's, what is that, voting for yourself, something? Voting for yourself. Yeah. Hmm. Your subconscious is voting for you all the time. Whatever you say, you've got it. Mm. Powerful. So powerful. All right, Jen, it's been an absolute pleasure. It's been about an hour and 15 minutes here that we've been going. It's kind of crazy. It oh, didn't, wow. didn't feel like that at all. So true. You're a great interviewer. Thank you. You're a great guest. You got all kinds of things out of me that I'm <laughs> going to second guess and ruminate over for <laughs> this evening. <laughs> and by that, I mean reflect and journal. Right, of and course. And improve for tomorrow. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, it's been great. Do you have anything to plug? You know, something that comes up for me a lot lately is, um, and Jim Stovall said the same thing, the love of reading. Mm. And um, I, I think he said it, and I, it, that I've heard it now three times this week since leaving home. 
develop the love of reading early. And, and it's a practice. Oh, yeah. There's a guy out there with a podcast called Jim Quick. And he has a free course on how to read faster. And uh, he also had a head injury and thought he had the broken brain. So if you, like me, were a very, very, very slow reader, where I have to read things, had to read things four times to comprehend it. Mm. Can you imagine reading every single sentence four times? You never get anywhere. It'd be tough. So I got to learn from him how to read faster so that I can get through a book. And I also get to do audible and listen to books. And I stop and take notes because it's important. Another step of that, which some really amazing great lady with beautiful blonde hair said, you actually have to read your notes again. Um, Yep. Yeah. So I get to do that too. I'm looking forward to that because I have a lot of notes and they're really good. <laughs> nice. <laughs> well, that's awesome. So read more. Read more. Yes. Hear that, kids? Read more. Don't scroll yes. through your phones. Not helping you. Not helping you. <laughs> well, thank you, Jen. Thank you so much for this. It's been wonderful. Yes. And again, we're going to link Operation Underground Railroad down below if you want to donate, if you want to scope them out, if you want to spread the good news, spread the word. These guys are helping out these kids all right thank you again thank you thank you so much for tuning in to the tlt movement podcast if you liked what you heard maybe it will bring somebody else in your life value too so please share with a friend subscribe to our youtube and comment and let us know what you think our podcast is available on spotify and apple and we would very much appreciate a five-star review visit our site tltmovement.com 